welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is your host, Sarah Hart Unger, and this is the podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. So today I'm going to talk to you about a topic that might sound a little bit boring, but I think it does impact all of us. And I'm actually kind of surprised I haven't done an episode dedicated to this topic yet, but I did a whole scroll back and I didn't find it. So I apologize if I'm doing it for the second time, if it was maybe a segment of an episode, but today we're going to talk about the fun of email and the not fun of email and some of the strategies I use or don't use for email. And I'm going to invite you to share your strategies as well. But first, as always, we will open with our planner piece segment. I love getting these. As you guys know, I've been getting some of them via audio and some of them via email. And I actually have a couple kind of lined up in a queue, but that should not stop you. Keep them coming because I want to share all different types of planner piece. You know, if you feel like you've reached a nice steady state of momentum with your planning system, that's all planner piece is. So send me a note. It doesn't have to be planner piece forever and ever, but planner piece for right now. So keep sending those in. You can do them as a comment. You can email me at shoeboxblog, S-H-U-B-O-X-B-L-O-G at gmail.com, or you can do it via audio on the speak pipe icon on the show notes page for best laid plans. All right, so here we go. This submission comes all the way from a listener in, she says, Australia or New Zealand accent. So I'm not sure which one, but definitely one of those, which is super cool. And she writes, I'm also a subspecialist pediatrician with a mix of clinical and research roles. My husband's also a physician with a mix of roles across multiple departments with lots of call. We have two kids ages 12 and 7. So this is Sarah again, as an aside, definitely a lot of overlap. So I'm always interested to hear how, you know, systems might differ or be the same with family setups that are similar to mine. So I'm particularly excited to read this one. Okay, back to her. She writes, I previously used to bullet journal, but this year I'm using Hobuichi Tacho A6 for home. I use the task list at the beginning of each month and usually do a weekly meal plan on one of the weekend pages. I also used Todoist. I have a list of recurring home and household maintenance tasks. This includes weekly tasks like ordering a fruit and vegetable box, annual tasks like car registration, parking permit, kids' dental appointments, and less frequent tasks like painting the house. Each month I check this and add any relevant tasks to the monthly list in my Hobonichi. I also have a running grocery list in Todoist. This is linked to our Alexa. I have a to-do list in Todoist that works similarly for things I remember on the fly. For work, I use a mixture of digital and analog. I've worked from home a day or so a week since 2020 and had to tweak my system to keep track of tasks while working from home some of the time. My work uses Teams, and I have a master to-do list on Teams, which includes short and longer-term items. I use a Hobonichi A5 day-free for work, which I switched to in mid-2021. Some days, I'm in back-to-back meetings in clinic and don't use it at all. Other days, I have no clinical work and rely on this to get through as many tasks as possible. The day free has flexibility to use as much or as little space as I want. I roughly follow bullet journalist principles with this. My 12-year-old started high school this year and suddenly has lots of assignments and homework after no homework for two years due to COVID. He lost his school-issued homework diary, so he is using a Hobonichi Weeks. My seven-year-old has an A5 day-free Hobonichi with an Animal Crossing cover, which she uses for drawing, writing poems, and all sorts of random things. 
Ah, I love this system. I think that is very smart use of the day free as a work notebook when you really don't need a full page every single day. And who knows, maybe I will try that for next year. It really does sound like a very versatile way to have lots of space when you need it and less space when you don't. And I love that you shared what your kids are using as well. I can easily see the weeks being a great planner for a middle or high schooler. It's so compact and you can fit so many things on it. And just incredibly versatile. And then your seven-year-old using a day free makes me very happy as well. So thank you so much for sharing this wonderful planner piece submission. And who knows, maybe I'll have to have you on someday so we can actually hear you chatting in what is probably a beautiful accent. All right, the next segment of this episode is I just wanted to make two product notes. Maybe we'll have like a product corner that might be kind of fun since there are always new things that pop up that I try that I just wanna share with you guys. The first one is a small shop called the Washi Tape Shop, and I can link to them. I have no affiliation with them whatsoever, but my wonderful sister was kind enough to give me a gift card for my birthday to use at the Washi Tape Shop, and it lasted for about 30 seconds in my hot little hands before I ordered two sets of washi tape. It's not super cheap. My $40 gift card got me two full-size sets, but the sets are really nice. They contain several rolls of tape, which are decently long in each set, and the art is just gorgeous. I got one set that's like academic designs. One of them has like violins and music notes. Another tape that I think sold me on the whole set has these rows of books, which is so cute. And then I also got these botanical designs, which I didn't realize when I ordered them are actually like more like washi stickers on a roll. And they're so pretty. I actually shared a page for my folk focus planner the other day that had one of them on it. And I just felt like it just really elevated the page. It made me so happy. Was it functional? No. And I'm not really a decorative planner, but who knows? Maybe I'm just stepping a toe into that water, even if it's incredibly minimal, like one sticker every week or something like that. So the washi tape shop, definitely something to check out if you are into different types of washi tape. And oh, by the way, I've previously used MT washi tape a lot, which is what the Hobonichi store sells and a very is a very popular Japanese brand of washi tape. And I've used Erin Condren washi tape, which is very nice. And I've also really liked the Cultivate What Matters washi tape, which comes in some very bright and floral colors. So I do kind of have quite the collection going on right now. But as collections go, it's not horribly expensive and brings me a ton of joy. So If it's something that you might want to delve into, I highly recommend checking out those sources or the washi tape shop. The other product I wanted to just kind of give a nod to is the Pilot Friction Pens. I have tried these. They are erasable pens and they come in different widths and lengths. And I believe I got the 0.5, which are a little bit kind of fatter than most of the pens that I'm used to using. So I will have to report back when I've tried some of the finer ones. I've had at least two people write in and say they like the 0.38 Pilot Friction pens and there are various modes of that. But as a left-hander, I do have to say they erase incredibly cleanly. So even if there is some smudging action, you can just erase the smudges, which is kind of like mind-blowing to me. And this might be a great answer for those of you who do not like to cross things off in your planners. I will say to me, the one downside is if you're writing in black, it just doesn't have as black of a line as I'm used to and perhaps enjoy. Like my Energel Klena, my beloved go-to pen, the black is just very black and crisp. And this black looked almost more like a dark gray, maybe because it's erasable, the pigment just can't be as dark. I don't know. I'm not an expert on what makes these pens erasable, etc. But 
I will report back with a more comprehensive review, but I just wanted to say thank you for bringing Pilot Frictions to my attention. I do feel like they've been a bit overlooked on this podcast so far, so I will work towards bringing in some more reviews of those products. All right, we're going to take a quick break for a word from today's sponsor, and I will be back. Today's episode is brought to you by PrepDish. But instead of highlighting their meal plans that I use regularly, I wanted to let you all know about Meal Prep Monday. Meal Prep Monday is a podcast created by Allison Schaff, the creator of PrepDish, and it has quickly become one of my favorites. I am a very frequent podcast listener, as you might imagine, and I'm always looking for ones that are relaxing, but also filled with great ideas. And this one definitely delivers. I recently enjoyed listening to her roundup of Costco favorites while I was prepping my prep dish dinner. Very meta, right? You can also, of course, listen during workouts, on walks, while cleaning, and get lots of fresh ideas around food and family mealtimes. In addition to the Costco favorites episode, other recent topics you might enjoy are easy and healthy travel food, a grocery budget episode with seven money-saving grocery tips, making meal prep more efficient, and 10 healthy prep-ahead snacks. Definitely check it out. Allison's voice is really fun and relaxing, and you're going to get lots of great ideas whether you use the prep dish meal plans or not. As you might imagine, it comes out every Monday, so you can add it to your podcast feed now and enjoy. If your to-do list is anything like mine, it often takes on a life of its own. I'm Eric Fisher, host of the Beyond the To-Do List podcast, and each week I talk with productivity experts, authors, and creatives as they share their insights on how to live life beyond the to-do list. People like Phil Rosenthal of Everybody Loves Raymond and Somebody Feed Phil about creativity, family, food, and travel, productivity expert David Allen on getting things done, and Whole30 founder Melissa Urban on setting boundaries in your personal and professional life. Find a great new episode each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from Protein Plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com slash plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit jennykane.com and use code plans for 15% off your first order. We are now well into spring and there's no better time to shop for beautiful cotton sweaters that can take us right into the next season. And definitely take a look at their dresses. They have so many pretty ones. I'm obsessed with the day dress. It's so classic and versatile. Plus, everything in their collection is designed so intentionally that you can style pieces together without a second thought. All of their sweaters and tops pair with jeans, work pants, and more, and can be styled to fit practically any occasion. Find your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS at checkout. 
That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code PLANS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. All right, I am back. So before I get into my little list of observations and thoughts about email, I just wanted to put out a call for topic requests and guest requests. I have not had a guest on in a few weeks. I'm really, really picky about guests for this podcast. I get all kinds of weird pitches and I'm like, don't you realize this is a podcast about all things planning and planning adjacent? And that doesn't include, I don't know, like how you started your like ironing business. I totally made that up. Nobody has ever emailed me about an ironing business. I was just (laughs) trying to think of something totally random. But yeah, I get a lot of pitches. A lot of them are completely irrelevant. So I try not to have them on the show because it is sort of a pet peeve of mine when I listen to a podcast about a certain topic and then someone comes on the show and you can tell they were just kind of invited because they were a bigger name, but it's not really relevant to the podcast topic at hand. However, I feel like there are so many great guests either in the planner world or who have unique planning systems or perspectives to offer. And I'm just trying to kind of get my lineup together as we go into the fall and more common planning seasons. So if you have ideas or thoughts to me um, as for topics that I should cover or guests that you think would be amazing, including repeat guests, I'm totally open to having some of the guests I've had on previously. Like I feel like I'm overdue for having the ladies of Planners and Wine on again, or maybe Amanda's favorite. So maybe we'll just have some oldies but goodies. But if you have new ideas for me as well, I would love to hear them. So just send those to me via a blog comment on the show notes page, via email, or however you'd like to get those to me. All right, so now we are going to talk a little bit about email. The reason I've been thinking about email lately, well, it's probably threefold. Number one, I've just felt a little overwhelmed lately. And I think when that happens, I'm particularly sensitive to email because what is email but like a list of requests from other people asking for your time and attention. And maybe sometimes that feels really good. Like if you don't have enough to do, that might be exciting. But when you feel like your plate is really full, it can start to become this weird, stressful mix where you're checking it because you're anxious and you don't want to miss anything. But you also have this kind of feeling of dread every time you do. And you know that having it open all the time is vaguely negative in the way that it impacts you, but you're just not sure what else to do. So I guess I've just been thinking about it more because I've been in that mindset. I did read Cal Newport's book, A World Without Email, and I really enjoyed it. I did pick up some tendencies um, from that book, especially like ways to minimize email, such as trying to take different back and forth scheduling type conversations out of email, bring those to in-person meetings, and also to use office hours to avoid excessive emails. It is sort of a pet peeve of mine when other people don't think about which mode of communication is proper for each thing. For example, getting a totally non-urgent text message or getting an email about something that is incredibly urgent. So I feel like I'm I'm better about like communicating my wishes to others about how I'd like them to use email if it's something where I'm their supervisor or have control over that. For example, I tell patients, don't email me, use my chart because that's our clinical set up and it's more secure and also ensures that like my medical assistant will see something so that if I'm out of town that it won't be lingering my work email without attention given to it. So the proper venue for the proper thing is definitely part of you know what may make email use functional and serving you versus annoying. But then there's some other things that I've just been thinking about lately related to distractions and, and things like that. I have got really good about not checking email on the weekends, my work email in particular, not my Gmail. That's kind of too much 
fun and I'll get to that below in just a minute. And so I do succumb to that temptation fairly often. Plus weekends might be when I have more time to process things in my personal email, but my work email, I think I've gotten stressful emails that I haven't been able to do anything about too many times. And because of that, have weaned myself off of any temptation to check my work email on the weekends. I feel like if there's some kind of work-related emergency, I will get a phone call. Otherwise, I can find out about that when I go back to work because usually I'm you know, occupied with my kids and not really in a head or even body space to be present at work. So what do I have to be doing in my inbox? I do not have any email alerts or any kind of like red circle going up on my phone when I have emails. In fact, I don't even use the Apple Mail anymore app at all, either on my laptop or on my phone. Instead, I use the Gmail app, which works for well for my personal Gmail. And for my work email, I really avoid checking it on my phone. If I have to look something up, I can go to the web-based email, which is kind of a pain in the butt. So it's good. It's an extra deterrent to prevent me from doing that. I used to use the native mail app on my phone in particular, but then I had my work email on there and it was just too tempting to take a peek when I was off duty. And so I found I'm better off actually not having that access. All right, so here come six observations around email that I wanted to share. You can debate them. You can tell me your take because I think email is incredibly personal, but these are kind of truths that I've noticed for me over the years. Number one, the more you respond, the more you get. This is why I feel like cleaning out my inbox weekly works, but daily wouldn't because it would mean I sent more emails, which would mean the middle of emails would just speed up and it would just make things even worse. So I do feel like the more you respond, the more you get. Take from that what you will, but it might be a reason not to answer everything the second it comes in. Number two, only a very few emails are fun. However, if there are some that are fun, it's probably enough intermittent and unpredictable reinforcement to send you to your inbox. Yes, this is like the old mice and the Skinner boxes and behavioral psychology. And, you know, when something is intermittently good and usually not good or boring, but every once in a while really good, humans have a tendency to go for it. It's like a slot machine. Basically, your email is a slot machine. So, you know, think about that. If you know that you're going to go into your work email and the chances of anything really fun being in there is quite low and it's a Saturday, you might want to think about like ways you might be able to break that feedback loop. For me, I think it took a few negative experiences that made me realize that, you know, there's unlikely to be in anything here of consequence and it really isn't likely to be that much fun anyway, especially my work email. So I might want to go ahead and close that loop as an option. All right, number three, in my experience, fancy archiving doesn't pay. I know some people like to throw everything in like special folders and there is a time and a place where I'll make like a couple folders for when I'm trying to corral like a million emails related to one project and I wanna make it easier to search. So I do have a couple in my Outlook, but in general, I just throw everything into archives and my Gmail, I don't have any folders. Everything just goes into archives. I find that the search engines are really good enough for most things. I have better luck with my Gmail search engine. I don't love the Outlook one, but I've heard other people have had the opposite experience. So maybe I just don't know what I am doing. But in general, yeah, I think the time spent doing fancy archiving doesn't necessarily pay off. So for me, I just throw it all into a big archive. Number four, using an inbox of an email, an email inbox as a to-do list long-term doesn't work for me. 
I wanted to put the words for me in there because I know that this does work for some people, especially people who like to get their email down to like a very manageable number, like 20, so they can see it on a screen. And then I can see how for some people it might work as a to-do list. It almost might for me, honestly, but I feel better getting it to zero. And that makes me kind of more confident that I've really sorted through everything and gotten it into a system that I'm going to look at in a more systematic way. So for example, when I get really behind on my email, which I am kind of behind on my Gmail right now, I will have a bunch of really fun and cool submissions for best laid plans that are just sitting in there. And that means I'm not using them. I'm not filing them where I can find them for episodes. They're just kind of like taking up space and vaguely annoying me. And so I'm just really better off every once in a while, pulling everything out and making sure it's where I belong and actually getting down to zero. Number five, I can focus better when I'm not interrupted by the outlook ping. or whatever that sound is like. And therefore, I'm better off corralling my email into discrete times of the day. I'm just not 100% sure what those times are. So this one is a work in progress. I feel like I have grown so much in terms of training myself not to check various things for the most part, but email does remain one thing I tend to check, especially when I'm stressed or just like, you know, I'm looking for something to do, etc. So I'd be interested if some people have like five times a day that they check. I think if I really built up some solid routines here, like morning, before lunch, after lunch, end of the work day, and that was like it, or maybe like one time in the afternoon, I'd be better off. Maybe I should try phone alarms to remind me to do that. I don't know. I just think that having the continuous open email or the kind of like, I'm going to open email every time I have the impulse to check if I have a new one doesn't feel great and definitely isn't great for my attention, productivity, or mental health. So something to work on perhaps moving away from in the future. And then finally, a bonus number six, because I was going to have just five email observations, but then I came up with a six. Having email on my phone for reference is great, but just having it available easily to just randomly check it there is annoying. Again, that's why I got rid of the mail app on my iPhone. It was just too easy to like click right through and see what was in my work inbox. And knowing that you have work dumped on you not dumped on you, but given to you over the weekend, you probably don't need to know. And I don't know, I would argue that your mental health will be better off if you are on like a need to know basis. And you actually find that out when you want to know about it, maybe on Sunday night when you're preparing for the week or, you know, maybe Monday morning, but not just randomly whenever you felt the impulse to check your phone. So that's it. That is my list of email tactics, my list of email observations, um, my thoughts on a world without email, which are generally quite positive. I wish we could get to a world without email, sort of. And I'm very interested in many of your takes on this or strategies that many of you use. I'm pretty certain I'm going to get some commiseration, but I'm also hoping that I get some wise, actionable words. So keep those coming. So again, I asked for a lot in this episode, but please send me requests for guests or products or things you'd like me to cover in future episodes. Keep those planner piece submissions coming and then give me your thoughts on email. Super curious and I will be awaiting your responses. And with that, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Leave me a review if you haven't on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to. I love reading your reviews and I appreciate them. Shout out to the person who said I should have a YouTube channel. I totally agree. I just need to like have time to have a YouTube channel, but that's a very reasonable request that you want to see more visuals with this podcast. Who knows? Maybe someday in the future that could happen. But yeah, I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you, hear you, talk to you. I don't know. Be in your podcast feed next Monday. Thank you.
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.